Welcome to the Inspiro Podcast, the podcast exploring personal growth, leadership, strategy, communication, and fulfillment. We are your hosts, Jason Luchtefeld and Bill Woodburn. I'm here as a dentist transitioning into a career to help facilitate individuals and their organizations towards a more fulfilling future. Hi there, I'm Bill Woodburn, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist in Austin, Texas. I'm fascinated by the way people come together to solve problems, whether that's couples or families, dental practices or organizations. We're going to be exploring a lot of topics, and for us to be able to be free to do that, I have to let you know that this is not intended to be dental advice or counseling advice. Yeah, so you just mentioned one was mastery. Uh, do I have the potential to get better at this? Am I good at this? Am I doing what I'm good at? Uh, number two was meaning. Is is what I'm doing contributing? And number three, I would add to your list is autonomy or agency. And is it that I personally am having an impact in this environment I'm working in or with the people I'm working with? And so to bring this that concept back to communication, it's how do we as leaders communicate that that is available in an office to an employee? And yeah, go ahead. It's, it's interesting because with purpose, a leader can give purpose. You can, by your words and communication, build an, a, a vision of purpose. And you can even teach people and you know, help them participate in mastery. A little bit one, one-sided, one in other words, I'm, I'm giving, I can give those as a leader. But autonomy is when the leader listens to the team. You can't give autonomy in that same way of I'll tell you about autonomy. No, 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 I have to listen to you, what you want, what you see, decisions that you're making. So that's where we get that two-way communication. Mm-hmm. And, and unless you're willing to listen, you cannot provide them with, with, with true autonomy. Yeah. And that also then brings in other leadership principles like a leader having enough humility to delegate, to, to let somebody else take credit for something that's done well, to, to um, elevate the team to their level or above them um, to really shine. We've circled around a number of topics in communication. I'd like to know from you as the, what I'm going to call the expert in the room, do we have formal communication styles? I think we have default settings. Okay. Which I guess we can call styles. 
there are things that that we grew up with in the family in our families of origin there are professional styles we learn that are accepted but also taught and modeled in our professions and then there, there are styles that we develop at work or with our present day families by adapting to things and so yeah we do we do have styles the 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 tough piece is to be able to change our default setting when we need to because a lot of times we don't even realize that it's a default setting so what i was where i was going there is do we have any formal classifications so part of what i'm i'm wanting to get to here is the different styles of communicating like act uh, i guess listening active listening parroting uh reflective listening that kind of stuff and so are those subsets of any particular communication style that has a, a term for it or are those simply listening categories those are tools okay and and a style would be something larger yeah yeah right we often talk about well he's he's quiet right or you know or or he's uh, very expansive or he's a great storyteller but those loquacious loquacious oh very good good word loquacious you know i was taught uh, that in spite of all the the labels for different styles really what it comes down to is functionality and i think we need to have another podcast where we just talk about the functions a well functioning team needs to be able to perform because those there are definitely some some models on so it's not about communicating one way or the other you can be a quiet person you can be a talkative person uh you can be a person that laughs in the office you can be a person that that is very studious and and you know quiet in that it's are you moving images effectively from your head to others are you allowing other particularly important people to move images into your head and able to hold them in their richness enough for to to understand them not always agree but to understand fully i'm not that worried about the style that you do that with i'm worried about how it happens i go to lots of dental practices across the country lots of doctors have different styles most of the team has adapted to the style that's not a problem as long as those images are going back and forth accurately effectively and for a dental office rapidly mm -hmm. that's also a key feature let's talk about well we've talked a lot about like good communication we've talked about how to convey these messages so that the ideas are more clear and vivid for one another. So this, I think, lends me to talk about when we have really good communication with somebody, there's a term and it's called affective resonance or affective resonance. This is a brain thing that happens when two people are, are communicating in such a way that their brains sync up. 
is is the best way to describe that. Now, I've read about it. And so I think that if you're trying to figure out if that has happened, one way to tell is if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody and you're riffing back and forth, oftentimes it's an agreeable conversation or one where you have had a a realization based on what the other person has shared with you in such a, a, a helpful way that you get chills, you get goosebumps. So when you feel that, that is a sign that you've just had effective resonance with somebody. And I'll add a piece that it's easy to observe in other people, though it happens with us too, is when people are really in a, what we call a really good conversation, you know, they're, it's the, the, the images are going back and forth pretty easily. They get in sync. Their bodies begin to move like they're dancing. The more uh, that they share images and the, the better they get at that, the clearer the images become, the more you see them dancing together and the, the better dancers they become. There's some people that are incredibly good dancers with each other and, mm. and they're, they'll, they're, their heads will be shaking and their, their bodies will be moving and they'll, they'll, one person will move back a little bit, the other person moves forward and then, then it, the other person moves back and the first person moves forward. And, and, it just looks like dancing and it's marvelous to see. And that lets us know literally that their brains are in sync. Their nervous systems are, are in sync enough to be dancing. And it's all marvelously unconscious. Yeah, I would say unconscious. I would hypothesize that there, in order for that to happen, there has to be a, a willingness, a conscious willingness to be open to that conversation. Maybe that's a given, but I think that's an important piece of it. Now, one of the things, I don't think it's a given. One of the things that I, I see, you know, when I go out to assess a practice and they've obviously called me because something's been going wrong and, or they would like something to be better. And one of the things I try to get a feel for is the flow of communication. And typically if there's a problem in a practice, one of the symptoms is a very restricted communication. There are things they just don't talk about. Right. That's just what I was going to say. <laughs> and I'll talk to the team and, and, and they say, is there anything around here we shouldn't talk about? Everybody gets quiet for a moment. And they say, well, we really shouldn't talk about. And then it's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, she used to be here, but then she left and nobody talks about it or whatever. Um, that's a common one. Um, so that's restricted communication. The other is, no, we're pretty much in the dark and we have to wait for the doctor to tell us. Mm -hmm. Well, that's also, a, a, I mean, that can be sloppy communication, but it's also a power move. I restrict communication. I'm only going to tell them on a need to know basis. They have to wait for me. It makes it much safer for me. I'm, I'm not vulnerable at all but it means that the, the, the team is just sitting there waiting. Another one is that communication is restricted by because it only goes through certain people in the practice. Doctor always tells so-and-so, and then so-and-so tells two or three people. And then one of those people tells two or three. It, it, it's, like a, it's like a tree, which sounds like it would be great, but it doesn't actually work out very well because it begins to be a little like the, the old game of telephone. Mm-hmm doctor tells one person that person tells their interpretation of what the doctor told them to somebody else who tells their interpretation to someone else and it doesn't 
take too many levels before that's really distorted. It's like, well, why don't why don't we just talk to everybody? Certainly about important things. We've made a nice segue here into what what makes a poor communication situation amongst a team or even individuals. And so one of them you brought up, which I think is a, a excellent one, quite common, that is silence or withholding communication. And I can I can speak from a lot of experience with this one. <laughs> um, there is an important functional piece to silence in timing of communication. And there is, I don't want people to think that because Bill said that silence is bad, that you should reprimand your assistant in front of the patient because the alginate set too fast. Mm-hmm. No, there's a time and a place to be, to have some silence uh, to uh, hold that and then bring it up at appropriate time. I think what the real take-home message here, though, is that most of us, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say most of us, don't bring issues to the team in a timely fashion on a regular basis. We hold that. And as leaders, what I heard you say, Bill, was a piece of that is not wanting to feel vulnerable, but... And while that could be, I, I'm having a hard time relating to it, it being a problem of vulnerability and would say it's more that I either don't feel equipped or I don't want to try to handle all the various levels of skills of communicating that exist in a team of eight to 10 people. So rather than dealing with it or bringing in somebody to help me deal with it, I ignore it until it finally comes to a head. Absolutely agree. And I've, I've certainly, I've certainly seen, I've seen people struggle with that one. Um, I want to go back a little bit to, I'm not really talking about silence. Okay. I'm talking about restricted communication. I've seen people in practices, leaders in practice talk a lot but they're not sharing very much out of their own heads. It, it's all very surface. So what do they, and, and the team will say, well, what do they, we never know what he really feels. Or what do you okay. Really feel about so what well, you're talking about then is transparency. Really do. Yeah, yes. so we're talking about, yeah, transparency and clarity is, is how I would term that. Yes. Okay, yes. sorry, I interrupted. Well, and, 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 you know, one of the classics that I, I see in dysfunctional families and I see it in some dysfunctional dental offices, is when a leader says, but you should have just known what I wanted. Mm. Oh, yeah. See, that's a, that's a, I'm not communicating. I'm not going to share the image with you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up a system where you're supposed to guess what image is in my head, or you're just supposed to know what Im- image is in my head, or I told you this, this and this, you're supposed to extrapolate to all the other things, and by the way, you better be right. That's that kind of restrictive communication. It's like, uh but could you have just told them what you wanted? Okay, so one avenue of that is is poor <laughs> communication by the leader. Another avenue of that is good communication, but a lack of willingness or ability by the team member. Absolutely. 
So as we, as we go down that path, as we, let's say we're the leader and we're working on ourselves and improving how we communicate. And so we are sharing, we're being transparent, we're being clear, we're drawing pictures with our words and our paper and our pen. And that team member just isn't getting it. One of the things that restrictive communication also does, if you're the leader, it hides the people that are barely attached to the practice. Because what you talked about is, as the leader's communication gets better, it sets up a standard in the practice. Ah. And other people respond to that standard with, yes, now my communication is getting better. Okay, he shares with a little vulnerability, the image that's in his head, oh, Okay, so I do too, and and now we're and now we're really going, and we have that sort of communication dance going, and oh, Susie doesn't. Well, let's try this some more. Da, 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 three, four months go by. Oh, Susie still doesn't. She's not sharing what's in her head. A a team will know this way faster than the doc, but because a line's been drawn, it, you don't have to 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 you know, emblazon the banner of communi good communication is absolutely necessary in this practice. If you start communicating well, people will respond to that or they won't. It becomes and part of the culture. And yeah. Yeah. I think I'm really glad that you articulated that the way that you did, because I think in too many circles in the consulting world of dentistry, there is blame put on the leader for everything. And while I think the leader needs to accept the bulk of responsibility for what's happening in, in any given office, there's also the other people there. And there has to be a level of shared responsibility. And I think too often that's overlooked. And, and then, again, to take this down a little bit of a tangent, I think this contributes to a lot of what we see with uh, leaders let's just say it's dentists because that's our world that we are most closely tied to that feel trapped. They feel that burnout. They feel depressed because they're accepting all the responsibility. They are, I hope, oftentimes trying to do things better and not seeing the fruits of that. They have patients that come in every day that say, I hate you. And so, you know, there does become a level of, of emotional fatigue that develops for all those dentists out there that are struggling for that. Keep trying, but also try to be aware that this is shared. If you're in a team, this is shared. That the leader leads uh, by example, as well as by proclamation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does, it does set a standard. And then the team needs to respond. The leader can't make the team respond. Congratulations, you made it through another episode. We hope you are enjoying it. Please tune in next week for more. We continue down this rabbit hole of communication and some of the various fingers, tributaries, and cul-de-sacs that are related to it. So join us for the next ride.